Amen. Well, good morning. Thank you so much, praise team. We are, um, as we move past Thanksgiving, I'm so thankful that you are here. I just want to say uh, that I am so thankful for all of you. I, I really am. I'm so thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for how you've come, especially on a morning like this. It's kind of a shock. I'm not ready for this. I don't know about you guys, but I'm glad that you are here, uh, and I'm glad that you uh, care about one another. I'm glad that you, so I'm glad you come. I'm glad you serve. I'm glad you show kindness to each other and how uh, you just um, are so important to us. And I just want to let you know that the entire leadership staff just really appreciates you and are so thankful for you. Um, so I also want to say that I'm thankful for Pastor Jeff to let me um, speak to you this morning. That's a blessing. And uh, I appreciate it. I don't, I don't take this honor lightly at all. And I also want to just let you know before I begin any further, I just want you to know that you are loved. You are loved. I mean, John 3.16 says it really clearly, right? For God so loved the world. You are loved. You're loved by God and you're loved by us. And I'm so thankful that you're here this morning. We're finishing up in our First Peter series. So if you'd turn to First Peter chapter 5, with me, please, First Peter chapter 5. And we started this back in September, September 3rd, I believe. And uh, we're going to conclude that, this, uh, the book this morning. So First Peter chapter 5, if you'd join me as I read, we'll start in verse 8. Here's what God's Word says. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. Through Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, send you greetings, as does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let's pray. Father, again, we're so thankful for the, just the opportunity to be able to gather together this morning and the, every age is represented from the smallest of kids to the oldest of us. And just like a family that gets together, we have come this morning, Lord, to, to worship you and to lift you high, to sing your praises and to give our time and our attention and our money back to you and so, Father, would you move this morning in this place? Would you move amongst us? Would you uh, give us ears that hear and a heart that's open, a mind that's ready to receive whatever you have for us? And, Father, I'm so thankful that your Holy Spirit does this work in an amazing way, and you can speak to each one of us individually. We don't have to worry about what the person next to us hears we just need to be worried about what you want to say to us. So help us to be open to that. And Father, uh, would you just guard my lips and the words that come from my mouth that uh, they might be pleasing to you. 
And Father, thank you so much that the, the word, your word, the Bible is the basis that we go off of in this place. And so we just want to hear from you. So speak to us, Father. Would you touch hearts? This is the Thanksgiving season. And so a lot of us have just really enjoyed a lot of family time, but it's also uh, for those of us who are struggling in, in different ways or maybe a recent loss or uh, maybe our families don't get along, whatever. I mean, it's not just the best time of the year for all of us. And so would you uh, just intervene in those hearts? And again, Father, just move in this place. And maybe someone who has never trusted in you would do that this morning. Lord, thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray these things. Amen. I want to start this morning. I, I believe the main chunk of this is in 8 through 11. And so I want to start at the bottom, if you would. If you look down at your, your Bibles to verse 12, I just want to touch on this real quick. We don't have a lot of time to go through all this, but it says through Sylvanus. He's kind of just wrapping it up like a, a letter that you guys would send to somebody. He kind of does some personal things. So he's saying, hey, he's a faithful brother. And uh, so I'm writing to you to encourage you. And so stand firm in all the things that I've said. She who is in Babylon, verse 13, chosen together with you, sends you greetings. And there's some, there's some confusion about what that is in, in different commentaries, who the she is. We're not really sure uh, who the Babylon is. We're not really 100% sure. I'm not going to dwell on that this morning. Um, you can reach out to Pastor Jeff. I'm sure he'd be glad to help you with that. But really, um, it really, it's important, but it's not what we want to focus on. Uh, uh, so I want to I get to verse 14, uh, because I think that's what a lot of you are like. You've looked ahead, and you're like, man, I hope we have some kind of a practicum or something this morning on this, this verse. So it says, greet one another with a kiss of love. And so what we're going to do right now, if you'd all stand. No, I'm just kidding. No, we're not going we're not, we're not to do that. But um, listen, I, I want to get to the kissing part. Not really. But um, I, I just want you to, to know, just hear, hear my heart right now. I, I, I love you all very much. Really, I even like you, you know. But I, I, I don't want to kiss you. You know, so I mean... I, I, like, I like the side hugs with the ladies, right? So many nice ladies. I come up, I like the side hugs. I like, the, I like to hug the, some of the guys, right? We come up, we, you do a man hug. You know, that, you know what that is? Like you kind of bump chest and I kind of pound at the back a little bit. You can look grunt a little bit like, oh, hey. Uh, you know, you, you do. I like all that. But listen, Richard, like, dude, but I'm not going to kiss you. You know what I mean? Like we're not, we're not doing that. And so I, I want you to know, Amen. And so, listen, I, I, I love you. I wish you, as it says at the end there, I look at that, pull that verse up again, if you would. I wish peace for all of you, but we're not kissing. Okay, so let's just move on. Now, listen, with that said, I want to go back to what I believe is a chunk of this that I really want to focus on. And so hop up with, uh, in verse 8 with me again, if you would. And we're going to get serious uh, as we start, because we're going to talk about Satan a little bit, although the main focus is always about God, and he's better than Satan, amen? But he wants to end this letter uh, to these churches with the, the stark warning. And so his final words and how he finishes out this, we're going to finish out this series, 
is to wrap up these final thoughts on, it's kind of there's themes going through it, but part of the theme was, listen, some of you suffer sometimes, right? Some of you are persecuted and you struggle and things come up in life and it's difficult and you're following Jesus and, you know, you're here, you got up early, right? Or you're watching online and you, you got up on a Sunday morning when you've had a long weekend and you're, you're putting in the time and you're following Jesus, but life still happens, doesn't it? Struggles still come. People still mock you and persecute you. And so he's dealing with a church that's persecuted and struggling and they've been, they've been suffering. And so what he's, Pastor Jeff ended last week with verses six and seven, which is like, listen, in, in the midst of all this suffering and struggles that you're facing, humble yourselves because he's a mighty God, right? And cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And so that's how he ends. And then, then he gets into today's text in verse eight and he says simply, be sober-minded and be alert. In the midst of all these difficulties, in the midst of all these struggles, he gives us two imperatives. Be sober-minded, be alert. Be sober-minded, sober would be the opposite of drunk, right? You don't want to be dazed and confused and uh, unclear about what's going on. You want to be sober-minded. You want to be clear-thinking. You want to be alert. So be careful, be watchful. All those words would apply in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your persecutions, in the midst of your struggles in everyday life, think clearly um, and be alert. And he said, this is actually a theme that he's mentioned a couple times. In chapter 1, verse 13, he says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded. In chapter 4, verse 7, he says, The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and be sober-minded. So he's mentioned this several times through. He's like, listen, we just don't just lackadaisically go through your life. There's struggles, there's difficulties, there's an enemy we're going to talk about in just a second. And so you need to be clear thinking. And uh, the problem is, is that when we're suffering in our faith, and with our faith, and for our faith, when things are going against us, maybe you feel picked on or abused in some way because you follow Jesus, it, it's, uh, it's easy to get all wrapped up in our emotions, right? We think about what we're going through, and we think we focus really kind of on ourselves, and it's, we're not very clear-minded in that moment. And so why is that a problem? Well, combine our out-of-control emotions with the fact that we have an enemy that's wanting to devour us. Look at the rest of the, verse 8. It says, your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. The devil or Satan, the Satan is like a roaring lion. He wants to get our attention. And a, a roaring lion would get your attention, wouldn't it? If you were out in the woods <laughs> and you hear a roaring lion, you're going to be alert, aren't you? You're going to hope you're clear-headed at that time. So we often think of Satan as an, another kind of, another animal, right? What would we think of him as? Like a snake or a serpent, right? A snake that sneaks up on you. Back in Genesis chapter 3 in the garden, the Bible says that the serpent was more subtle than any other uh, creature. And, and so he's subtle and he sneaks up. He does that as well. Back in Iowa where Jolene and I grew up, we had, uh, we had snakes. I mean, we had garter snakes, so you didn't really have to worry about them, right? Well, then when we moved 
when we moved to Oklahoma, right by Texas, all of a sudden there's all kinds of snakes. And one of them was a copperhead. We'd never had to really worry about snakes like that. But a copperhead, it looks just like the leaves. It looks like the branches of the trees that it's hanging in sometimes. It looks like the, the, the clay-colored dirt they have there. And man, that thing, that thing sneaks up on you, right? And when it does, you're, you can be in trouble. In the garden, Saint, Satan cleverly presented a lie to Eve that was really close to the truth. He was very subtle about it. He says, now, did, did God really say that? Right? It wasn't like this obscure lie. It was like really close to the true. He was being subtle. And uh, I want to just show you back in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It says this, 11 verse 3. Paul says, but I fear that just as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning your minds may be seduced from a severe, sincere, sorry, and pure devotion. So I, I'm afraid that, that Satan's going to sneak up and be cunning and, and you'll fall away from your devotion to Christ and your sincere beliefs. Um, it's kind of like fishing. I don't do much fishing, but um, I know about fishing a little bit. I know you take a hook and you put a worm on it. Why do you put the worm on it? Right? You put this bait on the hook so that the fish sees the bait and not the hook, right? That's kind of what Jesus, I mean, what Satan does that Jesus wants us to know about, right? Satan is cunning and subtle sometimes, and he presents this bait, but the hook is right there. In 1 Peter 5, back in verse 8, he says he's like a roaring lion. He's He's not sneaking up on you in this, in this time. So we've seen a lot in Scripture where he sneaks up on you. Here, Peter presents it as, hey, he's a roaring lion, right? He's roaring. He's letting you know that he's there. He's letting you know what he's about. He wants to present himself as powerful and strong. You can hear a roaring lion from a long ways off. And you, there's no sneaking up. Uh, a roaring lion doesn't sneak up on you. But listen. His goal, Satan's goal, is to devour you. That, that word in verse 8 there, devour, is a, the Greek word katapino, uh, and it means to swallow. If you think about Jonah, the fish that God prepared that just swallowed Jonah, that's what Satan wants to do to you, just devour you, to swallow you up. So we have an adversary, an enemy that wants to devour you and destroy you. And he's real, right? He's real. Just look around, just look around. Just go ahead and look up a little bit, look around. Go ahead, I'm, I'm serious, like you can look around. You, you don't see it, but there are spiritual battles going on right now that are real. Spiritual battles between Satan and his, you know, minions and, and God. And we need to be alert about Satan, but we don't need to worry about Satan because God's better, amen? And God is stronger. I, I love that. But we do have an adversary, and we might not see him, but he is like, sometimes he's subtle and sometimes he roars like a lion. But we have an enemy and he wants to destroy you. Satan wants to hurt God by hurting the people that God loves, that's you. 
Right? Satan wants to hurt God, God by hurting you. Like the, the easiest way to get, to get me distracted and to get me upset would be to hurt Jolene or one of my kids or one of my grandkids, right? And that's what Satan tries to do. He wants to get back at God. He can't stand God. And he knows where he's going in the end. And so he wants to get us. So here's why Peter is bringing this up. Here's why Peter's saying he's like a roaring lion there in verse 8. Satan's like a roaring lion to make you think he's powerful. And if Satan can get you and I distracted by the persecutions and by the sufferings and by the things in our lives, the struggles in our lives and the things that get messed up, and um, even when we do them ourselves, right, we get off track or we get frustrated or we say some things to people we care about that we shouldn't or whatever, Satan's going to jump in there and use those things. Because he knows that when we begin to focus on the temporary surroundings of, of the problems that are going around us, that it's almost universal we, do, we say one of three things. It almost, almost always happens. When you get swallowed up in the, in the struggles and the difficulties and the persecutions of your life, you almost always say one of three things. Number one, God must not care about me. I mean, if he cared about me, I wouldn't be going through this, right? The other thing that we almost always say would be maybe he's not strong enough to take care of my problems. Or we say he just doesn't exist. And so Satan knows that when we're, when we're in the faith and we're loving God, but then the struggles happen, if we focus on the struggles too much, if he can get our attention away from God and on those struggles, we will say one of those things, right? It's when, when things in life go crazy, we're tempted to literally like look up to God and like, why? Right? And, and we might even say like, oh, I thought you loved me. Right? That's that number one. He, we think he doesn't care about us. Maybe we might actually even say to him out loud, why are you allowing t- this to happen to me? Right? I mean, I come to church and I give and I serve and I do all these things. That's that number two. Maybe he's not able to stop. Because if he could, I think he would. Maybe we're tempted to say the God I worship would never let this happen. So maybe he doesn't exist. So what we do, what, what do we do when Satan attacks? It's in verse 9. Resist him. Resist him firm in the faith. Remember what we know about God. We know factually about God and we've experienced it. We, we remember what he's done for us in the past. Right, We remember what it was like when we were lost and struggling and we cried out to him and he rescued us and saved us. We remember what it was like when we, we prayed and he answered that prayer. We, we, we remember what it was like when we had a need and he answered it and we didn't even realize we had the need and he answered it before and he does love us and he is able and he is real. Stand firm on those things. Resist him when he's trying to roar and get you distracted when you're going through difficult times, resist him and stand firm in your faith. Amen? Stand firm. 
Another thing that happens when we're suffering and we're struggling and we think that we're the only ones, right? We get kind of self-focused. It's like, oh, poor me. And, and may, man, sometimes it is bad things that are happening, really difficult things. But we kind of get self-focused and we kind of forget that other people are going through things as well. And we kind of think, man, it's, I'm the only one going through this. So Peter, God addresses this through Peter. Look at the rest of verse 9. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. You're not the only one. You're not the only one going through these difficulties. There are people in the past that have gone through them and they've, they've um, come through them and rejoiced. They've triumphed over them. So how do we triumph? Stand firm in the faith. Stay firm in the faith. And you might say, well, yeah, Pastor Ken, but I, I know some people have died, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, some people have died uh, when they're going through things. What about them? Well, that's a great question. It really is. That's a very insightful, great question. I think about Revelation chapter 2, the church at Smyrna. He's like telling them, hey, listen, uh, Satan is going to throw some of you in jail for 10 days, and then some of you are going to die, but stay, stay firm and you'll get eternal life, right? He, he addresses this all throughout Scripture. There's examples of people that sometimes they die. I want you to know this, listen, victory over Satan is not the absence of suffering. Victory over Satan is not the absence of suffering. Victory is being faithful when you're suffering, when you're struggling, when you're going through difficulties, and you stand, you resist him and stand firm in your faith and stay attached to God Stay trusting in God. That's victory. Look at verse 10. Talking about people who've died, right? The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. He will himself restore and establish and strengthen and support you after you have suffered for a little while. That's a, the worst thing that Satan can do to you is what? Kill you. Oh, not, not really, because he and his minions can harass you and cause you trouble, but it's just for a little while, right? James 4, 14, uh, like this morning, if you went out, went outside and stood out and outside this morning, and you would have went, what would have happened? You, you would have saw your breath, but then it would have quickly faded away, right? James is like, that's what your life's like. It's like a vapor that just vanishes, like two seconds, and it's done, right? I don't mean to discourage you, but here's the, the good news about that. It's like this life on earth is like a vapor, but if Satan ends up uh, killing us, guess what? We get years and decades and centuries and millions and billions of years in glory with God. That doesn't sound like a victory for Satan to me, does it? Satan only wins if he can keep you out of heaven and join him in the lake of fire. And he may be roaring, but he can't do that. He can't do that. All he can do is try to make you doubt 
your faith while you're on this earth because God is sovereign. Amen? God is sovereign. And 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you, believer, than he that is in the world. God's sovereign and God's in charge. I love the fact that God is more powerful than Satan and completely sovereign when it comes to all of these matters. Uh, Satan really has no power or authority. Look at verse 11. It says, to him be dominion forever. You know what dominion means? That means that he's in charge. God has dominion. God is in charge. God is sovereign. Period. Drop the mic. He's in charge of all things. Remember Job? Story in the Old Testament about Job. Job was honoring God and following God and loved God and he was very wealthy and had a huge family and everything and Satan came along and it's kind of a weird story but Satan comes along and says hey listen see Job I don't think he'd be following you if you took all you know if he didn't have all like you've been blessing him with all that stuff I think if things got bad he would uh you know turn away from you and curse you and God's like okay go ahead who's who's in charge God's still in charge isn't he but he allowed Satan to do this. So the Bible says that, that Satan caused uh, his, his animals to be destroyed and his servants to be destroyed and even his kids to be destroyed. And then right there in chapter 1, Job says, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then it says, in all that came out of Job's mouth, he didn't blaspheme God. In other words, God, uh, God approved what he was saying, that it was under God's sovereignty that all those things happened. The Lord did allow that to happen. Attributing all that happened wasn't wrong. So Satan may manipulate things, but it's all under God's dominion. Amen? Say all. It's all under God's dominion. It's all under his control. All the power of an almighty God who's all in control. And he allows things to happen to you that you wish didn't happen. And he, you wish that he didn't allow to happen. But isn't it better knowing that he's in charge when those things happen? I want you to look up on the screen, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. It says this. And not only that, Paul says, but we also, what's the next word? Rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance and endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's like when you go through these struggles and when you go through these difficulties and when you are persecuted and things aren't going right, and I mean, it's, it's difficult, right? It's like, he's like, hey, that's awesome because that's going to grow you. That's going to help you rely on God more. And the more you rely on God, the easier it'll be next time. And you're going to realize there is true hope in him. And again, the worst thing that Satan can do 
in, you know, quote unquote, is to kill you and then you get glory for all eternity. God loves us so he allows us to suffer sometimes. And he grows us by helping us through these difficult times. So I want to close with a phrase that I kind of skipped over real quick in, in verse 10. Look at verse 10 with me again. That first phrase there, the God of all grace. The God of all grace. Being God means that he's in charge. Being full of grace means that he gives us what we don't deserve. He gave us Jesus Christ, amen? He sent Jesus to die on a cross so that we could be forgiven and we could be cleansed and we could be redeemed and we could become his children. And he's the God of all grace. Like every good and perfect gift comes from him. And he allows suffering sometimes so that we draw closer to him and snuggle up into him. We have a little, we have a little dog, just a little dog, and uh, it. We got that little dog. It's uh, it's she, her name's Bailey. And we got that little dog. Uh, Jolene had a dog for about fourteen years that passed away, kind of her buddy, and um, and then she went through some health issues, and. So we got this little dog. Now, we kind of rescued, it was kind of a rescue dog. She had this little thing, had a lot of problems. But on, on the other hand, it's kind of rescued her too because it came along in a difficult time for her health-wise. But Bailey, when Bailey gets really, um, when she, she's not feeling good or when she's scared or whatever, she climbs right up, like as close as she can, right up on Jolene's top of her chest and she gets right in there, right? That's kind of what God wants us to do. Like in the really, really difficult times of our lives, man, snuggle up to him. I know it kind of, guys, it's kind of weird, but I mean, snuggle up to God, right? Get closer to God. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. He, he's the God of all grace. I want to have the praise team come up and I would, if you would just start to wrap your mind around a God who's sovereign, but allows things to happen in his life, in your life, I'm sorry, because he loves you, because he cares about you, and because when difficult things happen, you draw near to him. If you're here this morning and, and maybe you've gone through a lot of things in your life, a lot of struggles and a lot of difficulties, and you don't feel like God would ever rescue you or ever even want you part of the team, you know, part of his children. I just want you to know that he's the God of all grace. And you have not done too much that he doesn't love you. And you have, you've not done too big of things that he won't forgive you. He wants to rescue you and forgive you and cleanse you and redeem you and bring you into his fold. He wants to adopt you as his son or daughter. Amen? Man, that's pretty awesome. I mean, what, what, great, what a great way to end in like, hey, Satan's out there, so kind of resist him. 
but God loves you and he's just like, he's got his arms open, like, come on, come on. And I would just invite you this morning to come. God's calling you. I'm going to be down front. Pastor Jeff is going to, uh, he's going to head up to the Welcome Center if you want to talk to him. But listen, some of us here this morning, if we've never trusted in Jesus Christ for your salvation, you can do that right now, this morning. This verse is for you. He's the God of all grace. Would you trust in him today? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that even though we, can, we struggle and we have difficulties and, and life doesn't go like we want, we're so thankful, Father, that you are there for us. And for those of us who have never, maybe ever trusted in you because we, we just don't think you care or maybe you're, we don't think you're able or maybe we haven't ever thought you were even real, we know now because you're, you're speaking right in our hearts to us. Would you give us the boldness to turn to you this morning? And for those of us who have been your children for a little while and maybe we've kind of forgot about how glorious you are and how you do care for us even when things aren't going well, Father, would you just help us to repent, turn back to you completely, Maybe at this moment, Lord, you've put a, a person or two that we don't believe has ever trusted in you on our hearts, and we just want to pray for them. Uh, this, this altar is open, Lord, and, and maybe we just need to come and lift somebody up in prayer. Whatever you have for us, our next step, Father, would you just help us to do that this morning? Thank you for your presence here. Keep moving. Keep working among us. In Jesus' name, amen.